here we go. Another edition of Jamal About Sports, January 2nd, 2017. Happy New Year, everybody. That, of course, was Burn Rubber by the Gap Band. I think some of the uh, lyrics in there, apropos, given the last three weeks of the Lions season, yes, they are in the playoffs, but certainly not the way you want to go in. Three losses in a row, three good teams, two on the road, one at home. Lost to the Giants, lost to Dallas, lost last night at home against Green Bay. Talked about it on the show last time. The Redemption Tour had a chance to exercise some demons going into Dallas and beating a Dallas team that, to their credit, didn't take their foot off the gas but really had nothing to play for. Lions knew if they won that game, it would have been a shorter playoff spot given the fact that Tampa had lost that week. Lions went in, played a good first half. Phantom holding call on the Lions defense on uh, a play that was uh, offsetting penalties right at the end of the half there. Lions leading 21-14. It's third down. Cowboys are going to kick a field goal. Lions get called for defensive holding. Don't identify a number. ESPN doesn't show a replay. So instead of the Cowboys kicking a field goal, Lions getting the ball back up 20-17. Sorry, 21-17 with about a minute and 45 left in all three timeouts. Plenty of time to go down the field and score a touchdown, let alone a field goal. And the Lions are going to start with the ball in the second half. So best case scenario, you're up 28-17 at half, getting the ball. Probably worst case scenario, you're going to be up 21-17. And somewhere in the middle is 24-17. But instead, phantom holding call on the Lions, replay the down, Cowboys score a touchdown on a play where, yes, Des Bryant was interfered with by the Lions cornerback, backup cornerback, Johnson Betamosi, who's terrible. But as they go to replay, there's Des Bryant grabbing for all the world to see, grabbing the face mask of the defender, and of course, no call. So that should have been offsetting penalties, replay the down. Now listen, maybe the Cowboys score a touchdown on the next play. They might. They could. Certainly didn't help matters, and that changed the whole complexion of the game. Fast forward to last night's game. Listen, I understand that Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. He buys time with his feet like no other quarterback in the league. He makes throws that no other quarterback in the league can make. I get it. But it's also easy to buy time with your feet when all of your offensive linemen hold on pretty much every single play. And you rarely, if ever, get called for holding. And that whole game changed last night. Lions score 14-7. 23 seconds left in the half. Lions let the uh, Packers go down the field, kick a field goal at the end of the half. Sucked all the life out of the building. Quashed any momentum that the Lions had. Plus, the Packers were going to start with the ball in the third quarter because they won the toss and deferred like most smart teams do. Packers go down the field and score, 17-14. Pretty much that was it. Good night. Lions basically had to score every time they had the ball last night because the Lions defense is lousy. It's lousy. 
And I say that, but also understand, I mean, the Packers' offensive line, they hold on almost every play. And I understand it's sour grapes. I'm a crybaby. I'm a whiner. I get it. I understand. Watch the replays of all these great plays Aaron Rodgers makes with his feet. Watch how the Packers' offensive linemen have fistfuls, fistfuls of jersey on all these plays. Then you had the 12 men on the field, because DeAndre Levy can't be bothered to, to hustle and run and get off the field. And by the way, competition committee, you want to look at changing some of the rules? You want to look at some of your points, your little precious points of emphasis in the offseason? How about this nonsense where Aaron Rodgers gets to do whatever he wants and get teams with 12 men on the field all the time? How about number one, we get rid of that stupid rule. You have to let the defense get set. And number two, take a look at this, Giants fans. Watch in your game this week. Watch, watch this. Aaron Rodgers now found another way to game the system. When he scrambles and runs downfield now, instead of sliding, which when you slide as a quarterback, the ball is spotted where the knee goes down. Now what he does is he does this belly flop. And of course, no defender is going to touch him because I'm sure if they did, if they actually hit him hard, then the NFL would say, well, no, he's a defenseless player who's giving himself up. But... If he's giving himself up, then that's where the ball should be spotted. But instead, they give him forward momentum, like they did last night on a play, where he bounced on the ground for another three yards. And because everybody's terrified to breathe on the guy, because he's the golden boy. So, just watch for this one, Giants fans. Now, maybe the Giants may, they may get a break because they're a respected team in the league, unlike the Lions, who we all know get zero respect. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> anyway. I just, I, I just, I'm, I can't watch it anymore. I just, I can't watch, and I knew this was going to happen. Listen, all I had to see was it was Jerome Boger and his crew last night. Historically one of the worst ever refereed probably the worst officiated Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowls, the Seahawks-Steelers game. An absolute atrocity. And, you know, they actually called the Packers for a few penalties last night in the first half. And then you saw Mike McCarthy letting the refs know, whoa, whoa, guys, (laughs) no, 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 no. This is unacceptable. And Packers get called for any penalties in the second half on offense, anything? I mean, he couldn't even get called for a blatant pass interference at the end of the game. Now, look, I understand the game was over at that point on the interception by Micah Hyde. I mean, he's got his back to the quarterback. He's got both arms on Golden Tate. And then I have to listen to that country bumpkin, Chris Collinsworth, tell me how he played it perfectly. And you guys think it's just a coincidence, by the way, that Chris Collinsworth owns pro football focus. Then they always show the Packers offensive linemen's rankings as per Pro Football Focus, but Aaron, but Chris Collinsworth never discloses that he's the owner of Pro Football Focus. No conflict of interest there, I'm sure. And there's the rankings of the Packers' offensive linemen. Why is it? It's interesting that I keep I only see for some reason the Packers' offensive linemen where they rank as per Pro Football Focus, as if this is an accepted, commonly accepted method of rating players. First of all, it's not. 
oh, look at this. The Packers' offensive tackles are ranked the best pass-blocking tackles. Hmm. And their left guard also, or maybe it's the right guard. I don't know. Mm-hmm. David Bakhtiari is the left tackle. He's a fourth-round pick out of Colorado who, who people thought was a reach in the fourth round when the Packers drafted him. Scouting report was maybe a, a right tackle, maybe a serviceable right tackle in the league. Now all of a sudden he pitches shutouts every week. He's perfect now, all of a sudden. And I'm not saying the guy's not a good player, and I'm not saying coaching. I think coaching is one of those position groups in the NFL where offensive line coaches do matter. I'm not saying he's a scrub, but he's perfect. He's perfect against Izzy Onside, 14 and a half sacks last year. Yeah, it's easy to be perfect when you hog tie guys and tackle them and you never get called for holding. So it's hard for me to take any of this stuff seriously. It's the same thing over and over and over again. You know, it's like watching the Michael Jordan Bulls when he was in his prime. Yes, he was the best player, but then you also also had no shot because the refs let them basically do whatever the hell they wanted to do. And that's what watching Aaron Rodgers and the Packers is like. Same thing. He's the best quarterback in the league, or, or if it's not, you know, he's right up there with Brady. I'll take Rodgers, actually, over Brady. But you could have either one, you'd be fine, obviously. I'm not saying he's not. He is. But then you add the fact that their linemen get a lot, clutch, grab, hold, do whatever you need to do. Rodgers gets to game the system with the hurry-up offense nonsense of getting 12 men on the field penalties all the time. And now this head-first sliding nonsense. It's a joke. So Lions go on the road to Seattle this week. Six seed. We all know Seattle's a very tough place to play. Seattle's not looked good here down the stretch. They lost to Arizona two weeks ago. An Arizona team that had basically was playing for only pride. They were out of the playoffs. In Seattle, lost. Or no, maybe it was in Arizona. I forget. Anyway, lost to Arizona. Did not look good yesterday. They beat the, the 49ers, who are wretched, as we know. Just fired their coach. We'll get to all the, the Black Monday coaching vacancies in a little while. They haven't looked great. They really miss Earl Thomas in the secondary. Lines are a touchdown underdog. I'm sure conventional wisdom says they go in there and get blown out. I doubt they will. I bet you they, they, they play. They play they, you know, listen, lines play hard. They'll, they'll put up a good fight, but, you know. I actually think, I know, and I know it's a home game, but they'll see... I was obviously wanted to win the division because it would be nice to win the division. By the way, Lions haven't won a division since 1993. I'm pretty sure I saw a statistic where every other team in the NFC has won the division at least three times in that span. 23 years. Think about that for a second. Every other team in the NFC has won the division at least three times. That means Tampa Bay, who stinks, is a joke of a franchise. Tampa Bay's won the division three times. Carolina's won the division three times. Expansion team. Bears, Packers, Vikings. Dallas, Washington, Philly. Giants. 
Not the Lions. Nope. Still haven't won a division. Now, I wanted to win the division because, presumably, home game. But I think the Giants are a better team than the Seahawks. And again, I understand conventional wisdom says, well, Seattle's a very hard place to play. Listen, the Lions went up there uh, last year, should have beaten them. Calvin Johnson can hold on to the ball while he's going in the end zone. And the refs correctly call an illegal batting out of the back of the end zone. Lions win that game. And that was a better Seattle team than this year's team. So, I think the Lions have a shot. And the Lions are not a very good team, by the way. I also will be honest and say that. They are a 9-7 team. Listen, when you, have a, when you have a good quarterback like Max Stafford, he's not great, he's good. He's better than two-thirds of the other, the trek that's out there, right? I mean, there's, we know this. There's Aaron Rodgers, there's Tom Brady, there's Ben Roethlisberger. You want to throw Russell Wilson in the mix? Okay. I'll put Eli in there as well. I mean, although Eli to me and Stafford are pretty much the same. Eli's had better luck and has been on better teams. I mean, Eli goes through stretches where he looks like the worst quarterback in the league. But he's clutch when the map, you know, he's, he's clutch quarterback. And, and he has a lot of fourth quarter comebacks. Same as Stafford. I mean, they're very similar. And I'm not, I'm not knocking these guys. You know, Matt Ryan's having a phenomenal year. Falcons' offense is legit. And they, they, you know, I understand they're a dome team. They run the ball great. They throw it great. They also run the ball great. They have two great running backs, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. That, that offense will play on the road in January. We'll get to them in a little bit. But, you know, look, formerly in the NFL, you have a really good kicking game. You have an above-average quarterback. You can win nine games because there's enough mediocre teams out there that don't. Look who the Lions beat this year. The Rams, no quarterback. Barely beat them. The Redskins, I understand Kirk Cousins had a good year statistically. That performance yesterday against the Giants was atrocious. With everything on the line, Giants nothing on the line. Meaningless game for the Giants. Quote, unquote, meaningless. Kirk Cousins, two killer uh, interceptions in the fourth quarter of that game yesterday. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, one of these guys, he puts up nice numbers. He's just good enough to get you beat. So the Lions beat the Redskins. Colts, they have luck. Okay. You know, luck came out, came out, started out like a house of fire. Yeah, the last few years have not been great. I understand he's been, you know, dinged up a little bit, banged up. O-line hasn't been great, although it got a lot better second half of this year. I mean, I would take uh, Stafford over Luck right now. Three years ago, you probably would have called me crazy to say that, but I think you take Stafford over Luck. You know, they beat the Vikings twice with their, their dink and dunk pop gun offense with Sam Bradford. By the way, how does that look from Vikings fans? Are you happy that you gave up a first-round pick for that guy? And I don't want to hear that he set the record for the highest completion percentage uh, in, in the history of the NFL with 71 or whatever the hell it was. I mean, when you throw nothing but three-yard passes, it's not that hard to have a high completion percentage. Another reason, by the way, why that statistic is about as silly and overrated as it gets. When do you complete the passes? At what point in the game? And are you getting chunk plays? Yeah, it's great. I completed 70% of my passes for, you know, I was 20 for 25 for 180 yards and no touchdowns. My team scored 10 points. Good for me. 
So that's how the Lions won these games. Stafford gets the ball last. He's very good against, you know, mediocre, average teams. He's just not as good as Rodgers. I'll admit it. And he's not, and he's not, and he's not, he's, he's not on as good a team. And also, again, the Lions get zero respect from the officials. Again, by the way, congratulations to the NFL. You've now devolved into the Michael Jordan era, mid, late 80s, mid 90s NBA, where if you have a star player that the league recognizes as a, as a star, you're going to get pretty much the benefit of the doubt and every single call. You won't get stuff called on you. You'll get every ticky-tack play go in your favor. And if you're not, if you're a team like the Lions, no shot. I mean, the Lions, at least now, they get a little bit of respect against the teams that are, are deemed to be bad. Like they actually got holding calls against the Bears when they beat the Bears. But they're not going to get them against the Packers. No way. And I, I doubt we'll get any against Seattle this week either. So that's what the NFL has basically devolved into. You have to have a, you have to have a, group, a really good quarterback and a couple other stars that the league deems to be stars and the officials deem to be stars. And then you get the calls. And if you don't, you will not. Cowboys are a perfect example of that. No offense, AG. Packers are the gold standard for that. And the Patriots in the AFC. All right, we're moving on. Giants, Green Bay. Giants have a history going on the road, beating the Packers in Green Bay. They've done it twice in the last 10 years. Did it both times, obviously, Coughlin, the playoff game where Coughlin's face looked like it was going to literally freeze off. That thrilling overtime win. Corey Webster, big interception on Brett Favre in overtime of that game. And then a couple of years ago, the Giants went in there and waxed the Packers. Scored in a Hail Mary at the end of the half. It's tremendous. So I will be rooting for the Giants. Listen, I'm, I, I, I have always respected, or at least recently, have a lot of respect for the Giants as an organization. Wasn't a big Giants fan back in the, uh, the 80s with Bill Parcells. But, nevertheless. Um, so, I will be a big Giants fan this week. I'd love to see them going and beat Green Bay. And I think they can. Because I think, again, the Giants will get a fair whistle. Because they're the Giants. We'll see. Maybe they won't. I don't know. I think they might. They've got a pedigree. They have two Super Bowls here fairly recently. And I think the Giants are a better team. I mean, that Giants defense is legit. Dominic Rogers Cromartie had a renaissance, a resurgent year this year. Two beautiful interceptions yesterday, six on the year. Janoris Jenkins, despite the fact that he's a bit of a jackass, uh, I know his nickname is Jack Rabbit, um, had an excellent year for the Giants. Big free agent signing, one of the few that actually worked out in the NFL this year. Eli Apple has gotten better and better every week, the rookie corner out of Ohio State. they got a very good front, very stout. Damon Snacks Harrison, who they signed away from the Jets, has been an excellent addition. Landon Collins has really blossomed at the safety position for them. He's a stud. He's all over the field. So that Giants defense is legit. 
Offensively, they're strange. They, they, they are a strange team. Very Jekyll and Hyde. Paul Perkins looked very good here in the game yesterday against the Redskins. He's looked good down the stretch. Injected some much-needed life into the Giants' running game. Obviously, you've got Beckham, who's a game-breaker, a game-changer. Sterling Shepard, very nice rookie season. Victor Cruz, pretty much a forgotten man at this point. Will Ty's a serviceable tight end. And then you got Eli. And, you know, look, the Giants, they have the ingredients to go on the road and beat the Packers. So those are your NFC games. Those are your wild card games. Saturday, of course, the Lions are, of course, at 8 o'clock. I mean, I, can I ever get a break? I mean, really. I hate these night games. God forbid they'd be the 4 o'clock game so I could just get the misery out of the way and then go and enjoy my Saturday night. Nope, nope, nope. I mean, I know there's no way they would be the Sunday game at 1, God forbid. Well, I understand, okay, it's a West Coast game, so they would never be a 1 o'clock game. They could be a 4 o'clock game on Sunday, but that's Packers-Giants. You've got Houston and Oakland. Uh is the 4 o'clock game on Saturday. That is the uh, both team with quarterback issues ball. Tom Savage, who replaced the wretched Brock Osweiler for Houston, uh, got knocked out of the game with concussion yesterday. I think his status is in, is in question. And then the Raiders had literally the toughest break of all when David Carr broke his leg last week. And then Matt McGloin, who was his backup, I think separated his non-throwing shoulder yesterday. Tried to go back in the game. Couldn't. And then they were down to fourth-round pick rookie quarterback Connor Cook out of Michigan State. So he could be starting. maybe may have your third-string quarterback if you're the Raiders. Going against a Houston team who I don't think is any good, frankly. I'm still angry the Lions lost to them. Now, they've got some pieces on defense, I guess. But no J.J. Watt. He's been out, obviously, all year for the most part. And then their offense is not very good, Houston's. So, you know, the Raiders, look, they've got one of the most expensive offensive lines in the league. It's been their one of their bread and butter all year. I, mean, I think they gave up some absurdly low number of 11, 12 sacks or something like that this year. And they can run it, too. They've got a couple of options. Latavius Murray, the Washington kid out of Texas Tech, and Jalen Richard. So they've got three. They've got kind of a three-headed monster there running back. I think you're going to have to lean heavily on that running game against Houston, particularly if Connor Cook is playing, even if Matt McCloyne is playing, which is a shame because they have one really good receiver in Amari Cooper and then one decent receiver in Michael Crabtree. So we'll see what happens in that game. So that's the 4 o'clock game on Saturday. Saturday night game, Lions at Seahawks. Sunday, Pittsburgh, Miami, Giants, Green Bay. Now, in the Pittsburgh-Miami game, another team with the backup quarterback, Matt Moore, in for the injured Ryan Tannehill. You know, Matt Moore's been around a long time. He, he's serviceable. And the Dolphins have a nice little three-headed monster receiver going with Jarvis Landry, who's a great between-the-chains kind of guy. He's not a deep threat. He was the other receiver at LSU with Odell Beckham Jr. But he's an excellent chain mover, breaks tackles, gets yards after contact, 
It's like a bigger version of Golden Tate. And then you've had Devontae Parker come into his own a little bit this year, and Kenny Stills, who's an excellent deep threat, free agent they signed from the Saints, who has some issues catching the ball, but when he does catch the ball, it's generally for a big play. They've got a good double threat tight end in Deion Sims. He's a good blocker and can catch, and he's a big body. And then Jay Ajayi, the running back, who you know had those two back-to-back 200-yard games and is solid. You know, the weird thing about the Dolphins to me is their defense. I mean, it, they seemingly have talented pieces there, but boy, they give up a lot of yards and a lot of points. I understand, you know, the game, game against the Patriots, SA Patriots, win that game, clinch home field advantage. You know, but I just, Dolphins defense worries me, particularly against Steelers offense. I mean, you've got Antonio Brown, pound for pound, the best receiver in the NFL. You've got Le'Veon Bell, who, along with David Johnson and Zeke Elliott, best running backs in the NFL, does everything. Blocks, runs, catches. So they're going to be a handful as well. So that's your wild card. And I'm telling you, people... Watch out for the Falcons. I understand that their playoff pedigree is lousy. We all remember that game when they came to play the Giants and laid an egg. They were a horror show. I get it. They had that crushing loss to the Seahawks in Atlanta three years ago. I understand. I know their playoff pedigree stinks. That was with a different coach. That was Mike Smith. He's not there anymore. He's a defensive coordinator in Jacksonville. See, the Falcons have some ingredients that you love come playoff time. One, they've got, and I mean, you love all the time, but particularly in the playoffs when you play the better teams. One, they've got a really good quarterback, Matt Ryan. Two, they've got a stud receiver in Julio Jones. I talked earlier about the two running backs, Tevin Coleman, DeFonde Freeman. So offensively, they can beat you a number of different ways. They can hit you. Big chunk plays, they run the ball well, they get explosive plays out of the running game. And once they get that run game going, then they hit you with the play action, play over the top, Julio Jones, Taylor Gabriel, a little speedy wide receiver is a deep threat for them. Kyle Shanahan, their offensive coordinator, has done a very good job there. His name will probably be mentioned for a head coaching position since there are currently six and maybe seven, depending on what the Colts decide to do. And frankly, might be eight. If the Lions go out to Seattle and lay an egg and get embarrassed, who knows? Maybe maybe Bob Quinn, the new GM, who didn't hire Jim Caldwell, says, you know what, I'm moving on. I can go get Matt Patricia from the Patriots or Josh McDaniels from the Patriots. I'm going to move on. I don't know. But anyway, the Falcons... Are dangerous. They've got so you get, they have all those ingredients on offense that you like, and then on defense. If defense isn't great, but you know what they do well is they rush the passer. Remember those Giants teams that won the Super Bowl? What did they do well? They gave up yards. They weren't perfect, but they rushed the passer. The Falcons are good at that. I think the Falcons are a major factor here in the AFC playoff picture. 
Falcons Cowboys. I think that would be a tremendous game. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Back here on Jamal About Sports. Happy New Year, y'all. First show of 2017. That, of course, the late, great David Bowie with Shake It off the Let's Dance album. So we set the stage for Wild Card Weekend. Gave you a little bit about the Falcons, my sleeper pick to make it out of the NFC. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm calling it now. Falcons in the Super Bowl. I know it sounds crazy. That's going to be my call. And unfortunately, I hate to say it, but it's going to be the Patriots coming out of the AFC. I I hate it. I mean, I hate it. I mean, man, do I hate it. But I just don't see it. I mean, look at, I mean, listen, nobody hates Brady more than I do. The guy had 28 touchdowns, two interceptions this year, and he missed four games. I I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I, I don't even, you know, the guy's 37, 38 years old, too. He shows absolutely no signs of slowing down. I, I mean, you know, and you look at that team, you go, ah. You know, I guess maybe we should start stop underestimating the, 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 the receiver talent there. You know, I mean, I think Julian Elliman is actually legit. You know, he's not just a Wes Welker clone. I mean, and if he is, by the way, that's really good. He's not Wes Welker light, I should say. He's legit, unfortunately. You know, Malcolm Mitchell, a kid out of Georgia, is good. Yes, they lost Gronkowski. You know, Martellus Bennett's very good and has been a good tight end. I mean, he was terrible for the Cowboys his first few years in the league. Aaron will tell you that. But then he went to the Giants, was good. Parlayed that into a big contract with the Bears, was good there. And now he's been productive with the Patriots. And then somehow, again, another team with no names all over the offensive line. Now they've got a legendary... O-line coach and Dante Scarnecchia is very good. And then they run the ball with the, at punk LeGarrette Blount. Who I saw got after him, Dominican Sue, yesterday and called him a dirty player. Hey, listen, uh, LeGarrette, you quit on the Steelers two years ago, okay? Absolutely quit. So you don't, you don't get to make those judge, value judgments, okay? You're, you were a bum because you didn't like your situation there, so you gave up, you mailed it in. And then, of course, the Patriots were, you know, couldn't have been happier to, to snap him up and put him on their team. That model franchise. This is a, that's the Patriot way, by the way. Let's see. They've had a murderer on their team. They just signed a guy, Michael Floyd, who had his third DUI-type situation, two going back to his days at Notre Dame, one in the pros, who was so drunk he was passed out at the wheel. This wasn't, I was a little bit tipsy over the, the legal limit. Passed out at an intersection. But that's the Patriot way. They do it differently. Yeah, the Patriot way. We do whatever we need to do to win. Everybody else be damned. Whether it's the coach who cheats, the quarterback who's a smug, snide cheater as well. 
Sign guys with DUI issues, no problem. Murderers on the team, no problem. It's all good. We win football games, baby. Yep. Patriot way. Hypocrisy at its finest. But unfortunately, I don't see that. I don't see anybody in the AFC that's gonna that's gonna knock them out. I don't. I don't see it. Dolphins? I mean, no. Pittsburgh, maybe. Although I don't know that Pittsburgh's defense is good enough. Certainly not going to be Oakland now. Certainly not going to be Houston. I mean, I, the Raiders might have had a shot with a healthy David Carr again because the Raiders rush the passer. They give up a ton of yards, the Raiders' defense. But they rush the passer. Khalil Max is stud. They get after the quarterback. They might have had a chance, and their offense can be explosive at times. Kansas City? Eh. Again, they live and die by turnovers. They're a strange team, although there's Tyree Kill. Jeez. i got to give Andy Reid credit. I mean, they, 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 you give the GM credit? For drafting the kid, you know, he had the off-the-field issues. They drafted him in the fifth round. Suppose he's been a model citizen since he's been there. And they find inventive ways getting him the ball. And, uh, you know, Kansas City may be dangerous. Again, they rush the passer. You know, if they have their full complement of pass rushers, which is the three edge guys, Justin Houston, Tom Bahali, and D. Ford, you know, they might make life difficult. That's how the Giants got after the Patriots twice. O.C. Umanura, Justin Tuck, Matthias Kiwanuka. You remember those guys. So, I, unfortunately, listen, I'd love to I'd, I'd love to tell you I, I see a path for the Patriots to not being in the Super Bowl. But, unfortunately, I, think, I don't think it's happening. All right, we're moving on to the – oh, no, 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 sorry. I was going to move on to college, but let's talk about the NFL coaching carousel, shall we? So we've got six jobs open right now. I mentioned it earlier. Maybe seven in the, in the indie job still yet to be determined. That's a whole mess between the, the GM, Ryan Grigson, and the coach, uh, Chuck Pagano. Apparently there, there's been uh, friction there for over a year. Uh, and the tweeting bandit, their the, the coach. Only, the only person I know tweets more than, than Jim Irsay is uh, the, 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 the pres-elect. But in any event, um, that job yet to be determined. So the jobs that we know are open right now, Buffalo, which, by the way, is a sneaky good job. I understand in the same division of the Patriots and Tom Brady and Belichick, there's talent on that roster. Tyrod Taylor is not a bad quarterback. If Sammy Watkins could ever stay healthy for four minutes, he's a good receiver. LaShawn McCoy is an explosive, multi-purpose back. Mike Gillisley, the backup, has got talent. They've got a talented offensive line. They have talented pieces on defense. Two years ago, when Jim Schwartz was the coordinator there and Doug Marone was the head coach, they had 57 sacks. Then they hired Rex and his dopey brother, and the defense stunk the last two years. I think they, they the, the players... On that defense, it's a 4-3 defense. Marcel Darius is not a 3-4 guy. He's a 4-3 tackle. Same with Kyle Williams. Jerry Hughes is a 4-3 end. 
Look, Jerry Hughes was a, was a high pick for the Colts. They tried to make him an outside linebacker in a 3-4. He sucked at it. Went to Buffalo in that wide nine and Schwartz likes to run. Made him a 4-3 end. Ten sacks. They've got Shaq Lawson presumably coming back. They've got pieces there. Preston Brown, the linebacker out of Louisville. And then they've got, you know, secondary, Gilmore. They, they've got pieces. That is not... I think that's a sneaky good job, Buffalo job. Jacksonville job is open. I think that's a sneaky good job. I do. You saw it these last couple of weeks. They should have won yesterday. They kind of blew that game late. But they've got some talent on offense. I mean, the quarterback's got to get his act together. But they've got good receivers in, in Allen Robinson and Marquise Lee and Allen Hearns. They've got a lot of talent on defense. Jalen Ramsey, their first-round pick this year, really came into his own late in the season. Telvin Smith, good outside linebacker. I don't know if they ever get anything out of Dante Fowler, the kid they drafted out of Florida who you know, blew out his Achilles, like the first non-contact practice they had his rookie year. So I think that set him back some. But they've got talent. I mean, they've been drafting in the top five for like the last seven years. You would hope they've got talent on that roster. So that could be a sneaky good job, especially because that division is not that good. You don't have a juggernaut in that division. See, that's that's the big – obviously, that's the big problem with the Bills job. But with the Jacksonville job, I mean, the Colts, no. Houston, again, I'm not, I'm not a Houston guy. And they may even win this week because they're going to play a, a Raiders team that's severely compromised because they might be down at third-string quarterback. But Houston's not a great team. And – um Tennessee, who looks like they're building something, but they're no they're not great by any stretch either. So that Jacksonville job is interesting. And one of the guys they're talking to is Tom Coughlin, who ushered them into the into the league when they were an expansion team, and I think within three years had them in the AFC championship game. Now it was a long time ago. But that's an interesting one. Denver job just opened up. Gary Kubiak retiring because or resigning rather, as a retired, resigning because of health issues. Denver job is a good job. Excellent defense. Pieces on offense. Now, do you believe in Trevor Simeon, the quarterback? Look good at times this year. Other times, not so much. San Francisco job open. They fired Trent Baalke, the GM, and Chip Kelly, which I think is silly. I mean, now you're starting to delve into Cleveland Browns territory. One year doesn't work. They scrap the whole thing and then let's start anew. One or two years you're giving guys now. I think it's one year. I think this is one year. I think this is Chip Kelly's only year. Yeah, because Thomas Sula was the coach last year. So I mean, I think it's silly. Now, if there's a college uh, program out there that's smart, you go snap up Chip Kelly in about a heartbeat. But that San Francisco job looks like a bad job right now because they have no quarterback. And they've lost, you know, a ton of talent on the defensive side of the ball last few years due to injury and guys retiring. San Diego job's open. Mike McCoy out. Team went 5-11 this year. If they had any breaks, they could have easily been a 9-7 team this year. They have a ton of injuries. Tons. Also a sneaky good job. Talent on that roster, too. You have an above-average quarterback in Phillip Rivers. And a lot of talent on defense. Joey Bosa, 
Rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, hands down. Kid's a stud. They've got Jason Verrett, who was hurt, good corner. Uh, Casey Hayward, free agent acquisition from Green Bay, had an excellent year for them. I think he led the league, or was second in the league in interceptions, seven interceptions I think he had. Melvin Ingram's a good player on that defense. Corey Legit's a good player on that defense. Kyle Emanuel, AG's guy, rookie out of South uh, North Dakota State. Carson Wentz's alma mater, good player. There's pieces there too. And then you got the Rams job, which looks like a disaster. Because the quarterback looks like he can't play. And I understand it's a small sample size in his rookie year. You know, they've got the good back in, in Gurley. Tavon Austin's a nice sort of Swiss Army knife piece. You get him out in space. You know, you run him on reverses and bubble screens and, you know, but not much else. I mean, Kenny Britt's okay. And they've got some pieces on defense too, obviously. Aaron Donald, Robert Quinn, two very good defensive linemen. Alec Ogletree, very good linebacker. But that, that job, I'd say the jobs that are open now, the Ram, I'd say the Rams and the Niners jobs look to be the worst. I'd actually say, I know this is going to sound strange. Well, I guess conventional wisdom says, De- says Denver. But, you know, look, Chiefs look like they're, they're set up to still to be good for a while here. And so do the Raiders. So you, you got two good teams in your division. I think the Jacksonville job is the best job out there. I really do. Because, look, the expectation level is not going to be super high. I mean, you're taking over a team that, you know, has been wretched for a long time in a division that's not particularly good. So if you get to, let's say, you know, you do the steady progression thing, you get to, you get to seven, eight wins your first year, and then you make the playoffs the next year. And you just, I mean, I, I, I think that Jacksonville job's a good job. Now you got to figure out whether or not you believe in Blake Bortles. And that's a, that's the biggest decision that new coach is going to have. Is Blake Bortles, do I feel like Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles, despite his name, can progress and be the quarterback. And then if not, then you got to go identify one and go get somebody. Which is not easy, as we see. Now, you know, there's some guys on some rosters, some backups, that you, know, you may want to take a shot at. Chase Daniel in Philly. Mike Glennon in Tampa Bay, you know, do you want to do the stopgap thing and try to go get a Tony Roma? I haven't played there for one year. Do you like what Matt Barkley did enough with the Bears? He's a free agent. Maybe you sign him. Let him compete with Blake Bortles. Maybe you light a fire on Blake Bortles. Maybe that helps him get better. But I think that Jacksonville job is a sneaky good job. And then finally, listen, if you're a college football fan, this is, I mean, this last, these last weeks have been, it's like manna from heaven. There's a game on every day. I don't care if people say all these meaningless bowl games. I like to watch them. Scouting. And some of these games are highly entertaining because, first of all, they, they don't mean anything. So guys, are, teams are going for it on fourth down all the time. They're pulling out everything in their bag of tricks as far as trick plays are concerned. 
There's very little defense is played. The scores are through the roof. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I watched the Louisiana Tech Navy game with my dad over uh, Christmas holiday. That was a tremendous game. And by the way, I'm going to give you guys a name to watch. Trent Taylor, wide receiver, Louisiana Tech. He's another one of these guys in the Julian Edelman, Wes Welker family. 5'9", 180 pounds. Put up massive numbers. Now, I get it. Louisiana Tech doesn't play. They play play in in Conference USA. It's not the not, you know it's not the SEC or the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. I get it. The guy put up massive numbers. Had a great game against Navy, and he will be undervalued because of his size. And I, I bet he's probably not a super speed guy either. And the Patriots will go draft him in the sixth round, and then when it's time to kick Julian Edelman to the curb because the Patriots don't think he can play anymore or he's too expensive for them, this guy will step right in and they won't and they won't miss a beat. Watch. Trent Taylor, Louisiana Tech. And then if you watch that Alabama-Washington game on Saturday, on New Year's Eve afternoon, can I just take, please, half of Alabama's defense and put them on the lines? Literally. I just, I mean, I mean I'll, take, I'll take the Allen kid. I'll take Nick Williams, the defensive end. I'll take, uh, take uh, Ruben Foster, the linebacker, Fitzpatrick. The D-back, I mean, that, that, that Alabama defense is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And look, give Washington credit. They were, their defense was game. They hung in there. They slugged it out. You know, Bama got yet another, as they call it now, a not, non-offensive touchdown. I think that's their 11th on the season, maybe even 12th. Right before the end of the half, terrible play by the quarterback at Washington. So, and then Clemson smoked Ohio State. Nobody saw that coming. 31 nothing. Didn't see any of the game. I was out reveling. Um, so now we got Alabama-Clemson rematch. But we got a bunch of games today. Western Michigan-Wisconsin's a game I'm interested in, in watching. Rose Bowl. Seriously interested in the Rose Bowl, USC, Penn State. Really need USC to win that game. Never been a Penn State fan. Grew up disliking Penn State. The only time I ever rooted for Penn State was in, I, I want to say, what was it, 1985 or 86 when they played the Vinny Testaverde-led Miami Hurricanes in the Orange Bowl. And they had Shane Conlon. And they, they, I think Testaverde threw, what, four interceptions in that game? Penn State was a heavy underdog in that game. But, you know, since the Sandusky scandal, if I have to hear one more Penn State person whine about the sanctions, you guys are lucky you still have a program. Okay? Shut up and stop your whining. You're lucky you still have a program after what happened there. And, oh, it's not fair to the kids that are playing here. How about what was fair to the kids that got molested by Jerry Sandusky? And I understand you guys don't want to admit that St. Joe knew. But probably all the evidence points to the fact that he did know. Because he knew everything that went on in that program. So... 
You know, Penn State alums, listen, I understand James Franklin had nothing to do with it. That's not the point. You're lucky you still even have a football program. What's worse, the Jerry Sandusky scandal and what happened there and the how no, who knows how many lives potentially ruined by that or something stupid like, you know, boosters giving money, which, would, which is what, by the way, gave SMU the death penalty, they called it back then in the 80s. What's worse for humanity? Doing what every other college team does, basically, particularly in those days, but just getting caught? Or what Jerry Sandusky did and what happened at Penn State? So I don't want to hear it. So Bordeaux, and plus I don't like James Franklin either from his time at Maryland, and then he got very mouthy since then, and whatever. I, I found him to be annoying when he was that office coordinator when, at Maryland. He seemed like a, a real uh, self-promoter. Always looked like he had, uh, you know, this is from afar, from what I could glean. You know, always had his eye on the head coaching job, wanted Ralph Friesian out so he could take over that job. Went to Vanderbilt. Now he's at Penn State. So I would like to see Penn State lose that game. Plus, I just like USC. I mean, I have always liked USC. I've always had an affinity for them back when Rodney Pete was the quarterback. So that would be a good game. And then we've got uh, Auburn-Oklahoma. Should be an interesting game, too. Oklahoma, keep your eye on D.D. Westbrook, wide receiver. I think he's going to play. He's a stud. So it's been a fun time for college football. Again, like to watch these games. Try to check out some potential pro prospects as well. You know, it's a holiday day. It's gray, cold, rainy. Why not saddle up, get on the couch, and watch football? All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be back next week breaking down all the wild card weekend. Of course, the lines included in that. Until then, Happy New Year and peace out.